3: This is SiriusXM XM Progress, channel 127. I'm John Fuglesang. We are at 866-997-4748. And before you call, yes, I know, my Twitter has been hacked. I was sitting backstage in my dressing room about to go on for laughing liberally off-Broadway, and suddenly I couldn't get into my Twitter. Uh, I thank you all for the emails and postings and texts you've already been sending my other social medias. I know it's confusing because I've been locked out of my verified blue checkmark Facebook page for 16 months. So now we get to have a social experiment and see which of these mega social media corporations are more indifferent to their members. I'm very, very sorry for people who have uh, been trying to get in. I've never had this happen. Have you? Have you had social media hacked before? I'd love to know how you handled it. We've had a team of people going, we've tried everything on my Facebook for 16 months. We've gone through contacts to one of the VPs there we know, and we've gone through all of their helplines, and all we got back, bots and prayers now about 90 minutes ago i got thrown out of my twitter and i've received uh, many many messages from all you nice people letting me know that um just in case you're wondering i'm not really selling macbooks for six hundred dollars i don't need you to dm me all my dms are not open um whatever oh, i'm man. telling you it's yeah it, i know it's macbooks my dms are open how about two oh well uh, good for you let me know how they work out so your venmo your venmo isn't Hot boners tonight at Venmo. Oh, huh. I can't wait for my Venmo to get hacked. Thank you for reminding me about that. There's, there's something worse, I think, that hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to cling to that little bit of stability. And this is life now, right? This is how it is in the internet age. Having your identity stolen, being hacked, that's something that we just have to expect. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. We're all going to have someone steal our identity in some other way. And we're going to have to roll with it. This is going to be something that young people grow up with, assuming it's normal. And it's too bad because there's so much we have to get to tonight on the show. Because, guys, I I want to hear your thoughts. We have a really good one tonight. The great Bob Seska will be joining us. Thea Harper returns for another edition of The Minority Report. And our good friend, comedian, and broadcaster Katie Halper. Katie was doing a show on uh, The Hill TV. And she did a segment defending Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib's portrayal of Israel's government. And Hill TV's owners refused to run anything done by a Jewish American comedian that criticized the government of Israel, and they fired her. There's a big piece about it in The Intercept. Katie's someone I've known for over 10 years, and I've done a ton of shows with her. I'm very keen to get her on to hear about what her experience has been. Also, uh, I'm not going to be here tomorrow night. The great show, Sud Bay, will be in, filling in for me, so listen for that. And uh, on Friday night... All of our friends at Crooked Media are taking over the whole channel, so that's exciting. And also, you should know this, tomorrow morning on uh, Zerlina Maxwell's show, she will be joined by Nancy Pelosi. I'm flying off to L.A. tomorrow. I will be going uh, to do some work out there. I'll be performing at the Comedy Store on Sunset on Monday and then next Saturday the 22nd of october it will be the final stephanie Miller sexy liberal f- save democracy comedy tour show of the year uh, it's going to be a big party we hope if you're in the la area you'll come down and join us rob reiner will be one of our guests as will be uh frangela Hal sparks and miss miller it's going to be a big big party it's going to be the biggest political comedy show of the midterm election season and if you'd like to see it but can't make it to la We're going to be broadcasting it live as a streaming pay-per-view. Go to sexyliberal.com for tickets or for virtual passes. Chris House, our executive producer, he's keeping this train on the tracks from the South Carolina Bureau. Miss Thea Harper is running this thing from the Brooklyn studio. I'm here in Manhattan. We got a lot to get to. Let's have a show. It was a bad day for the Confederacy. Any way you look at it, the Confederacy, which is still alive, had a bad day. It's still alive because, well, uh, after President Lincoln beat them, uh, he was murdered by a Confederate and replaced by a vice president who didn't really want to do anything about the Confederacy and said, no harm, no foul. Uh, Let's have a glorious era of Jim Crow. The rest is history. But Donald Trump was the second president of the Confederacy. I've said this for a while. When you look at someone who is so hostile To the American system of government that he wanted to have every kind of illegal rebellion he could against our system of government and couldn't stop glorifying the white supremacist statues of men who fought and took up arms against America in the name of white supremacy. I'm half Southern, folks. You know how it is. You can love the South, but hate the Confederacy. You can love Russian people and not like Vlad Putin. You can love Iranian people and not love their leadership. You can love Israeli people. And not love their civilian government. I love the American South. I'm half Southern. My parents are buried in the South. But the Confederates, you know, you know, Donald Trump couldn't stop defending their flag, defending their monuments and defending U.S. military bases, ironically named after an enemy of the United States. So let's get to a bad day for the Confederacy, because Confederate President Trump was told he must sit for a deposition next week in the defamation lawsuit filed by our friend E. Jean Carroll, who accused him of rape. So that's going to be fun. Can you take uh, the fifth 400 times if you're being deposed in a case of rape? Also, this just happened just before. I was backstage, and I swear to God, this is true. Uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano of Fox News, he was there, and he told me backstage about this Trump staffer who has been telling federal agents and cooperating with a story about how she had to move boxes of documents at Mar-a-Lago at the specific direction of Donald Trump. There is security camera footage that corroborates this and offers key evidence of Donald Trump's behavior as the investigators were trying to get the classified material back. This is a Trump staffer who is cooperating with investigators about Trump's stolen documents. And this is the most direct account to date of Trump's actions and, tellingly, instructions leading up to the FBI's August 8th search. Because that's what it was. It was a lawful warrant search. It was not a raid. You're thinking of Breonna Taylor right there. Now, the agents were looking for evidence of potential crimes, including obstruction, destruction of government records for mishandling classified information. And people familiar with the investigation told The Post... agents have been gathering witness accounts indicating that after Trump advisors got the subpoena last spring for any classified documents that still remained at Mar-a-Lago, Trump personally told people to move the boxes to his residence at the property. And this was corroborated by the security camera footage, which showed people moving boxes. And again, how would they have known the documents were there unless someone was cooperating from the inside? I've said all along, I was sure it had to be a Secret Service agent. But right now, as far as we know, it is a female Trump staffer cooperating in the investigation. Trump spokesperson, Taylor Budowich, he would not answer specific questions for their article. He just gave a statement. It's kind of statement innocent guys make. The Biden administration has weaponized law enforcement and fabricated a document hoax in a desperate attempt to retain political power. Wow. It's too bad that's not the argument your lawyers are making when they're actually in court with judges. More bad news for the Confederacy? You might have heard engorged, pust-filled human zit Alex Jones, a frequent defender of the Confederate flag and memorials to the dead white supremacists who shot American troops because they wanted to keep human beings as pets. Well, the jury in Connecticut has ordered Alex Jones to pay $965 million. In damages to the families of eight victims of the Sandy Hook shooting for the suffering caused by the years of the lies, he spread that the massacre was a hoax. And of course, for all the profit he made spreading that lie, this is the largest award to date and it's an incredibly inspiring legal battle by the families to hold Alex Jones responsible for pushing lies about this mass shooting that happened 10 years ago 20 children 6 educators were shot and within hours of the shooting Alex was telling his audience it was staged as a pretext to come and grab your guns within a couple of days in 2012 Alex Jones was saying the grieving parents were actors he said many many times the massacre was fake and the families testified during the trial the lies that he spread led to harassment and threats. They described feeling unsafe in their homes and hypervigilant in public. Some of the families said they were getting calls from people saying they were gonna dig up the coffins of their dead children to prove that it was fake. Alex Jones was already ordered to pay fifty million in damages earlier this year. Now, with this ruling, the combined amounts total over one billion dollars. And it'll interest you to know Alex Jones, being Alex Jones, was on his show gloating right after this and laughing about it. Uh, Again, this money is going to go straight to the family, the families who lost children and the FBI agent who was harassed by Jones's listeners. There was 15 plaintiffs in total, and Alex is already mocking it, saying, you get a million, you get a hundred million. Do these people actually think they're getting any of this money? We'll talk about more of that with our friend Bob Seska later on in the show. But finally, the worst news the Confederacy could have gotten today, and it's actual bad news for the Confederacy. Remember during Donald Trump's last year in office, he really, really took on the cause of defending military bases named for Confederate generals, named for generals who took up arms against America. I have never in my life met a New Yorker as devoted to defending the Confederacy. As Donald Trump and Fort Hood was one of those battlegrounds it is named after a Confederate Army general and it houses about 40,000 soldiers in Bell County Texas that's a place where more than a quarter of the residents are Hispanic according to the Texas Tribune they just announced today that Fort Hood Army Base will be renamed and not only will they strip the name of a traitor from the base it'll be renamed after General Richard Cavazos, the first Hispanic four-star army general in Texas. General Cavazos was born during the Great Depression. He joined the ROTC right after high school. He served in the Korean War and the Vietnam conflict. The U.S. Department of Defense has until the beginning of 2024 to finalize this transition, and it is part of their broader movement to rename army bases named after Confederate figures. Because who takes it more personally that you've got a military base named after a Confederate general than the United States military. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. There's a lot to get to tonight, and I'm really, really glad we have some very smart guests. Let's say hello to our good friend. Uh, it's Beachside Bill in Florida. Hey, Bill.
4: Hey.
5: Oh, hey, John. Hey. How's it going? Good evening. Hello. Well, I was happy to see today that the Treasury Department is, is investigating DeSantis, using COVID funds to fly the refugees up to Martha's Vineyard. Did you see that story?
3: I sure did. I mean, but it's true. First off, he opposed getting the COVID funds. He objected to the whole package. And then when he got the COVID funds, he used that $12 million to set aside to fly migrants around for a cheap, revoltingly fake Christian stunt. So I'm thrilled they're investigating it. I don't see it going too far because DeSantis will, you know, scream victimhood, but... I'm a big believer in following the money. I wish they had done it with Trump.
5: Well, he's been doing it a lot with the money here before the storm and I, everything with the storm has changed, you know, but before the storm, he was running around the state dropping a couple million here and a couple million here, all from the COVID relief fund. And That's he, right. keeps, he keeps claiming it's the taxpayers of Florida. It's bullshit. <laughs> It's Joe Biden's money. It is our money eventually, but it's Joe Biden's money, God damn it. No,
3: it's the taxpayer. No, I'm sorry. That money belongs to the taxpayers of Florida. But, you know, if grandpa gives you $10 to go buy a textbook and you use the money to go buy crack, um, you've disobeyed grandpa's wishes and he has a right to get his money back.
5: Yeah. And one other thing, they got a commercial here with with using his wife, uh, DeSantis' wife. And I, and believe me, I'm sympathetic with anybody who has cancer. But they're using this woman and, and I'm and they're using his kids. Now if you remember four years ago, DeSantis he had he just had it but he had a little a little kid and then he had a newborn mm-hmm. and he plastered them with MAGA, all MAGA bullshit, all the kinds of have I the remember the shit. Remember
3: that? So embarrassing. I remember is, his ads. I remember shit. him using his child in his ads, yes. building a wall with blocks and saying how we're doing this just like yes. Mr. Trump wants us to. And I'm like, oh my yes. God, you're a pathetic toady and you're pimping your
5: child. But you don't you don't see it this year, John. You're nothing MAGA, nothing. He's he's totally. You have to look it up. And oh, right I know. There at the end, and no, we talk about it all the time.
3: Trump he's Trump running Trump against Trump. Donald. He's running against Donald Trump now. That's why yeah. it's going to be fascinating.
5: Yeah, it will be fascinating. But uh, he is he he is He is a force to be reckoned with. DeSantis. He's not. He's not something. He's. He, he, I, I know he, they say he grew up here in Florida, but I thought he was born up there in New Jersey somewhere. I thought he was from up there originally.
3: I <laughs> mean, it doesn't matter where he's born. He makes his home there. Yeah, he's the governor there. But, wherever, you know, wherever, I, I've wherever, said yeah. for a long time that people in the Democratic Party should be much more concerned about Ron DeSantis than they should be about Donald Trump, who will probably never, ever, ever become president again. Joe Biden, at age 83, could beat Donald Trump. I, I don't know if he could beat DeSantis. But the wild card factor here is... And I try to remind myself of this bill. Ron DeSantis is um, smarter than Trump, but that doesn't make him smart. And he has one tenth the charisma of Trump. He's actually just kind of a whiny, bitchy, doughy malcontent who pretty much just spouts out grievances and acts like a bully. And it works well in his bubble. But he barely won the state, like 80,000 votes, 70,000 votes. votes—or No, I think it was was 34,000 votes he won the state. 38,000, 38, yeah. So, I mean, like again, yeah, like that, he's been yeah. counting a lot of chickens before they hatch. Trump hates him. Yeah. He hates Trump now. It's a cult of selfishness. The party doesn't yeah. start until Trump and DeSantis turn on each other. That's what we need to oh, focus yeah. all of our good karma energy
5: for. Oh, him. yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. And, and and the two the two rejects, senators that reject me, uh, Rubio, he is in trouble. And I, I'm glad to see Val Demings came out with another commercial slamming so him on, on fucking abortion. You know, on yeah, me
3: abortion. too. I think it's great.
5: Yeah, hopefully, I was about, hopefully, yeah, go ahead.
3: Two years ago, I was hoping Joe Biden would ask Val Demings to be his running mate. I, I think it's great she's yeah. doing so well.
5: Yeah, I hope so. I support her, and, and we we can only see. And Charlie Crist, he's got to step up his game, but we'll see. I, I'm hoping because they've already closed Florida registration. You can't you can't register anymore. Yesterday was the last day. So
3: can you believe that? Can you well, believe I, it? Like you're a taxpayer in Florida, but if you miss the deadline, they won't let you exercise your constitutional right. I don't know where it says in the constitution that if you miss a deadline to register, you lose that right. But Florida will find it.
5: Well yeah, it's these Republicans. They've had control for a generation and they, they just want to strangle whole every little thing in something like that or ex felons voting. Look at the ex-felons. We can go through that whole thing and read exactly the right. whole thing. You know, it's you exactly know, the whole right. damn thing. Bill, well, anyway, John, you. have fun out have, have fun out west, all right. Thank I'll, you so
3: much. Thank you. 866-997. 866-997. Okay. 866-997-4748. nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Let's go to is this is it Timbo or, or Jimbo in Arizona? Hi.
0: Hey, how you doing there, Donna oh. Timbo. With a T.
3: Timbo. What a pleasure. Where in Arizona are you, sir? Him, himbo? Not Himbo. That's you because you're eye candy. It's Timbo with a T. Oh,
0: thank you. And I am eye candy.
3: I believe you are. <laughs> where, where in Arizona are you?
0: Manuel. It's a little town north of Tucson.
3: Okay. Thank you for yeah.
0: calling. Well, I'm just curious. I'm just interested because you mentioned renaming Fort Hood and I was stationed there. Uh, probably early sixty-eight through seventy in the non-war. Really? War. Wow. Yeah, and uh, a young twenty-year-old guy. I never, I didn't know it was named after. You don't think about that, you know? Yeah. But that's interesting. They renamed it because I know that uh, I was looking at the Killeen newspaper a couple of months back, and they were going to rename it to uh, after a sergeant
6: who mm-hmm. died in
0: Vietnam. His name was, I think, in Vedos or something like that. Hmm.
3: Who I don't know. They
0: renamed it after.
3: They've renamed it after um, General Richard Cavazos, who was a native Texan, and he was the first four star Hispanic general from Texas.
0: That'll do.
3: Right? I think it's great. Absolutely. I mean,. They, they recommended this last May to rename it to Fort Cavazos after, after the general. But uh, the Army has these installations, several of them, named for Confederate soldiers. And, and uh, it's actually called the Commission on the Naming of Items in the Department of Defense that commemorate the Confederate States of America or any person who served voluntarily with the Confederate States of America. That is the longest title for any organization I've ever heard. But they're doing it, and I think it's very patriotic.
0: Oh, yeah, it had to be done. Yeah. It's hey, so ba- about the history of that and where that all ran into or, you know,
3: it is. But anyway. you know what? It's it's good to see Americans just saying, hey, we're not trying to erase history. We just don't want to honor white supremacy. We don't want to celebrate slavery.
0: That's it's not exactly right. Yeah. As yeah, it came down, as you mentioned, Andrew Johnson pushed that through, you know, honoring that kind of thing. So, hey, well, that was good and interesting to hear, buddy.
3: Right on, man. By the way, I've heard, uh, tell me if this is true, that Fort Hood is the most populous U.S. military installation in the entire world. It's actually over 50,000 people. We have no bases anywhere in the world with that many folks.
0: No, I wasn't aware really the size of it back in 68.
3: Right on. Um, Timbo. It's
0: third armor, huge base.
3: Right on. Oh, my, my producer wants to talk to you, Timbo. Hang on. Go ahead, Chris.
0: Were you stationed at
1: Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, between 1956
0: and 1987? <laughs> no, sir, and I didn't urinate there either.
3: <laughs> if so, you may be entitled to some compensation. This is this commercial yeah, for everyone it. who ever served in Camp Lejeune. God, all my friends yeah. in the Marines.
0: It's a sad commercial.
3: It really is. Um, it really, really is. Timbo, thank you so much for calling, and thank you for your service.
0: Absolutely. Have Enjoy a great your evening, show, thank man. You. Take it oh. easy. Be cool, and you're far out.
3: Right on, man. Call us up more often. We'd love to have you back. 866-997-4748. He, he'll always yes. be a himbo. He'll always be a himbo to me. How dare you? These are nice people. These are nice people. They're not losing He's, access to their Twitter, like me. He said he was eye candy. So, so mm. I shouldn't expect those MacBooks to come in. No, Chris. I'm not really selling MacBooks for $600. Folks, if you see my Twitter, my Twitter is lying to you. My Twitter has been hacked. If, if I had MacBooks... I would give them to you for free, but I don't. I'm not selling them. I mean and, and he's asking everyone to DM him, whoever this hacker is. Good times. Good to go on a travel. Uh Sean and Callie, welcome.
6: Oh, hey brother, you know, hey, if you had ever responded to any of my communications, I might have thought, "Oh my goodness, John's getting back to me." But I was just kidding. Um, okay. Look, you get you get to me on this show all the time, so I that's my I didn't know
3: I hadn't. Resp- I didn't thing. know I hadn't responded to your communications. I'm sorry. I get a ton of messages on Twitter. I try to respond to everybody.
6: It's. <laughs> I'm. I'm joking. Okay. Um, anyway, I. Uh, you know this thing with Martinez in California, and, and Republicans in general. Y- you know, there's so much to unpeel here. You know, Martinez in California, not only thank goodness is going to go, needs to be gone forever. Yes. I, and maybe yeah. you can go to the Republicans. You can do whatever you want, but. You know, look, she didn't just become a racist, you know, a couple of weeks ago. She's been racist. That's how this thing works, people. No one's just like, oh, wow, today I'm going to be racist. And it doesn't matter the party, doesn't matter the race. You know, I don't believe black people can be racist towards white people. I, I just don't believe that for no, a No,
3: they really. can't. They can, be, they, can be, they can be prejudiced towards white people. They can be bigoted towards white people. But black people don't have the power to persecute white people in the judicial system, make it harder for them to get a cab, make it harder for them to get a home loan. You can't actually practice a system like racism. You can, you can be a bigot.
6: Absolutely. And the Republican Party has played, um, you know, black and brown people against each other um, all my life and before I was even born. And we need to be cognizant of this. And also, by the way, in a good news, and it's good, but it's, it's not fun to talk about. But Alex Jones, is going to be broke yes and i think that is very important that um we all make sure that we realize that the legal system does work on occasion you know because it kind of gives us hope
3: well let's let's (laughs) see how successful alex is about hiding his money because he's claiming he's bankrupt Uh, right now but they think he might have up to 200 million dollars in assets through his Infowars network so uh thoughts and prayers alex thoughts and prayers. We're going to go deeper on that with Bob Seska in a minute.
6: Okay, cool. Well, I won't go too far, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to offshore accounting and things like that, um, it's not that hard. Um, It it seems like it's hard, but it's not that hard when you get a judgment like that against you, because when you get a judgment like that against you, every angle, I mean, what's he going to do? Oh, I'm riding on a yacht, but I'm bankrupt. I mean, he's going to have to live like a hermit, and either way, I don't care. I mean, you live like a broke person. Even if you have 200 million, because once you start spending any of that money, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to be known to be spending that money. But
3: we'll see what uh, happens. But I mean, for anybody, for anybody who is just so depressed over the just proliferation of lies on social media, this is a victory for anybody who wants to see citizens saying no and putting a stop to it. Sean, thank you for calling. Appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more of your calls will be joined by the great Bob Seska. 866-997-4748. 866-997-4748. Uh, we're going to have some Alex Jones bashing, which is to say, telling the truth about Alex Jones when we come back.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can
1: help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders.
3: I'm John Fugel saying this is progress. I'm so pleased to welcome the great Bob Seska back to the show. Bob joins us every week. He's the host of the Bob Seska show, one of the smartest uh, political podcasts. It also has a lot of cool content on music. He, uh, of course, has been known for his columns in Salon and the Daily Banter and his appearances on Stephanie Miller on a day we're celebrating all the losses of the Confederacy. Like Donald Trump getting in trouble, Alex Jones getting in trouble, and Fort Hood being renamed, it's a great pleasure to welcome a man of the union, Bob Seska, back to the show. Hello, sir.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much, John. appreciate it. Yeah, it's a great day. It's a great day for accountability. You know, it's it's funny with Alex Jones. Uh, in fact, Kimberly, my girlfriend, tweeted about this earlier today after the uh, verdict was handed down with the damages, and she, she made note of the fact that When I started covering Alex Jones, when I started talking about his show and his insane back of the brain gibberish, Mm -hmm. uh, I got a lot of liberals telling me, hey, why are you paying attention to this guy? Why are you amplifying what he's saying? And my response always was, one, well, he's already famous. He already has a gigantic audience, an outsized audience far beyond what he actually deserves. And the other thing is uh, ignoring people like Alex Jones doesn't make them go away. They don't Mm. dematerialize into another dimension. That just, just doesn't happen that way. And so what we have discovered today is that paying attention to Alex Jones and holding him accountable for the awful things that he says actually pays off and we now <laughs> finally have justice for the sandy hook families and the, obviously in addition to the sandy hook families from the previous defamation uh, damages trial and then well i'm i, I don't want to jump too far ahead we can talk about what happened today specifically but i've got some more good news on top
3: of that and i'll, okay, I'll hold me, on to that one. You'll hold on to it. Okay, well, I, I want to hear it. But I want to comment on something you just said, Bob, because I think you, you yeah. nailed it. I hear the same thing. Why do you amplify these people? And I get mm-hmm. it if you're retweeting their original tweets, right? Then the algorithm thinks that this is a popular tweet. And that it, in that sense, you should t- always take the time, take a screen capture um, and, and share it. But uh, to me, the media is going to amplify these people no matter what. As long as we live in an era of ratings based news, the media is going to go for whatever gets the clicks, whatever gets the eyeballs, whatever gets the numbers. So Alex Jones is going to be amplified no matter what. And um, his words are going to get out there. His message will permeate the public consciousness. I feel it's our job to offer the public consciousness the talking points to refute his regressive bullshit.
1: Mm -hmm. And with the Internet, look, we're not living in the 80s or 70s or 60s or 50s where you kind of needed the gatekeepers to give you a leg up, to give you notoriety, to give you attention, and then therefore to give you fame. That's the way it used to work pre-internet. But now that there's the internet, people like Alex Jones can pretty easily become popular as long as they're playing the game. And Alex Jones has been playing the game for quite some time now, at least 20 years. And finally... He's uh, he's getting it shoved back into his face, all of this ridiculousness and just complete uh, the worst kind of tall tales you could ever possibly come up with. And he went way too far with Sandy Hook. I mean, you can say a lot of what Alex Jones does on his show is just performance art. It's weird musings and conspiracy theories and all kinds of other nonsense. But with the Sandy Hook families, what we're talking about is ruining lives that have already been so severely damaged by that massacre. I mean, we're talking about 6-year-olds, ki- kindergartners, 20 of them, who were murdered in cold blood and Alex Jones figures, "Hey, you know what? This is a great idea. It's a great platform for me to start expanding my ratings, uh making more earning more profit. I'm going to really exploit this for all it's worth." And that's what he's done. And the Sandy Hook families are saying, no, no more. We draw the line right here. And what I was going to say before, John, is, you know, we're talking about, I think I calculated, uh, what is it, $1.15 billion now that Alex Jones owes to Sandy Hook families. Between yes, the it's text over a billion. Yeah, The Texas damages and the Connecticut damages from today. There's another one. There's another damages trial coming up in December, a third. That's right.
3: That's right. So
1: all when all is said and done, it could end up being that Donald that. uh, Yeah, I almost said Donald Trump, that Mm -hmm. Alex Jones could owe more than two billion dollars to Sandy Hook families as a consequence of uh, these uh, defamation trials. And you know what? He he deserves it not only for what he said, but the reason we're at this stage where they're talking about damages in court is because he deliberately uh, sandbagged his own trial. When these yeah. things, were, when when the original defamation cases were before the court, he refused to produce evidence that was required during discovery. They, Alex Jones and his legal right. team, stonewalled the entire way through, leading the judges to finally go, "All right, that's enough. I'm tired of this fuckery." You're we're going <laughs> to you're liable for these damages. Now we move on to determining what those damages are. And that's, that's right. where we are right now. It's one thousand percent Alex Jones's fault. No amount of sympathy from Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates or whoever else. Charlie Kirk is now coming to his rescue. Oh, he is no amount
3: of defense from those people is going to help him out of this. He's he's screwed phenomenally. It really seems that way. I mean, can you imagine? You know, Donald Trump's receptionist right now. I mean, no, did you tell him I called? It's, it's Alex J, J. I'll spell it J. Oh, you, you better get the president my message, or it's going to be seventeen seventy six all over again. Um, one of the yeah. men who, one of the men who testified was Mark Barden. <laughs> uh, Mark Barden's son Daniel was murdered in the shooting, and he said that his he, he began getting all these hateful comments on his personal website after Jones called it a hoax. He was called a liar and a fraud, and then. He said he began getting harassing letters from people threatening to dig up his son's grave, which they claimed that they had defiled. Uh, he was given fifty seven point six million dollars by the jury today. And it's so wow. moving, Bob, because we spend so much time in the era of Trump in the era of Russian disinformation in the era of you know di- calling lies disinformation, wondering what can the government do? Could the government have a bipartisan office on it? i've I've entertained every theory. like maybe we need a a, a, a cabinet level position to go after lies. Maybe you need to have a a green verified check mark for real news. Like what can you do? We're getting the answer. The judicial branch, it's there Mm -hmm. for redress of grievances. And if Uh someone's lies hurt you in the digital age, it's old reliable. It's right there. Sue them. Mm -hmm. That's justice. Yeah,
1: right, right. And I know there's probably a lot of screaming about the First Amendment, screaming about free speech happening right now on social media from Alex Jones defenders predominantly. And I wanted to add uh, just in terms of striking that nonsense down we're not talking about a first amendment issue this is a this is a matter of uh you know not everything that's said under the umbrella of the first amendment is automatically noble and worthy and acceptable it's just not how things work in this country there is a right to free speech there's a right to not have the government specifically censor you and what you are saying suffice to say with this case there's no it's not the government censoring Alex Jones these are He's families not censored who at all. have been yeah who have been damaged who have thank you uh gone through some of the worst experiences any parents could ever possibly such a good point. the worst experience any any parent can endure the loss of their child and in such an unnatural and brutal way such a good point. and Alex Jones has used free speech in this country has abused free speech in this country in order to make a profit off of the
3: lives of these slain kindergartens i mean free free speech is legal saying whatever you want is legal but suing someone for lying about you and causing you harm is legal as well. Mm-hmm. These things That's can right. all coexist. It's the debate we hear with right-wing friends on Twitter all the time. Oh, this social, this censorship. Yeah, yeah. well, no. If you spread lies about the election, if you spread lies about COVID, then yeah, it's like Seven Eleven having a no shirt, no shoes, no service. They can throw yeah. you out of their free, privately owned platform if you violate the terms of service, but you haven't been censored. 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. You can still scream crazy gibberish, half naked in the parking lot of 7-Eleven. You just can't go in the store. And I'm yep. like, why do these people hate capitalism? This is a private business regulating itself. Mm-hmm. Alex Jones. Now we we don't know how much money he has in the trial in Texas. He said if there were any damages over two million, it would destroy Infowars. Um, a forensic economist <laughs> said that the company was actually worth between 135 million and 270 million um but he keeps saying that he's on the brink of bankruptcy and and again i don't know if you heard the live stream but he did a live stream as they oh, yeah. read the damages and as the parents were weeping and he was there laughing saying do these people actually think they're getting any of this money by the way can i just point out alex jones is only 48 i want to say that that's what hate will do to you hate will do it kids he's only 48
1: Yes. Uh, you and I both love to bring that up. The fact All that the Alex Jones is somehow younger than both of us. It's <laughs> just inconceivable. But you mentioned the fact that they have appraised his business, uh, free speech associates or whatever it's called, free speech systems. Mm-hmm. Basically, Alex Jones is worth, they say, about 200 upwards of $270 million. So basically, given the damages that have already been handed down, If Alex Jones handed over everything he owns, his show, his property, his businesses, future profits, every single thing, liquidated it, handed it all over to the Sandy Hook families from these two cases alone. He would still owe $745 million oh, to the Sandy Hook families. Say it slower. I mean, that really puts slower. that dollar amount <laughs> yeah. in context, doesn't I want it? I'm to
3: play some some sexy Charday, and you say it really slow again. It's beautiful. It's like Barry White's here making love to my ears when you say that. Um, yeah. Bob, I want, I want, want to hear to some... Go ahead. You, you want one more? I want to add one more thing. Uh, former assistant U.S. attorney Richard Signorelli
1: was tweeting about this earlier uh, today, and he wrote just as a end cap on all of this conversation, John. These awards are not dischargeable in a personal bankruptcy because they are based on intentional torturous conduct. Jones will be hounded for the rest of his days for payment and any efforts at hiding income assets mm. will be met with contempt sanctions, including imprisonment and you know for a fact that alex jones will resist he will uh, stonewall every step of the way on this thing so expect alex jones eventually to land in prison because of all of
3: this yeah will he stonewall every step of the way or will we get the ultimate porn for moral people of watching alex jones grovel because i i think (laughs) i think the national psyche could handle that
1: yeah yeah well if he if he actually starts to hand over cash He's going to hand up, have to hand over all of it, as I was saying before, two hundred seventy million dollars. And then every dollar that he earns thereafter for the next, you know, 100 lifetimes, you know. And for Alex Jones, what, he's 38. I don't know. What is, how old is he again? He's
3: 48. He's 48, 48. 48. OK. Yeah. But he has yeah. the corrosive soul of a, of a of a much more evil man. Um, you hear it in b- b- his b- voice. I want to I want to I want to shift to another topic, um, a topic of things that aren't shocking. I don't know if you know, Queen Elizabeth died. Do you know that? Um, She did again. She did. Yes. And then I don't know if you know this, but uh, Tulsi Gabbard is no longer a Democrat. Did you know? Did you know this? That's a thing now.
1: (laughs) So shocking. I can't believe that actually happened. My socks went up and down when I heard that news, John. It was incredible. I can't believe Tulsi Gabbard is no longer a Democrat. Hey, you know, you know why? Because you know what? They pay their people on the red hat side of the ledger. There mm. are wealthy financiers, and we could start naming them starting with Sheldon Adelson and on down Please. the list, the Koch Please. brothers, and on mm-hmm. you know, we all know the names. They are well financed. The reason Tulsi Gabbard is no longer a Democrat and has been camped out on Tucker Carlson's set all this time. because there's a a really huge paycheck there waiting for her. I know. That's the thing. This is a cynical cash grab on behalf of Tulsi Gabbard. Anyone who changes their stripes seemingly overnight the way Tulsi Gabbard has, at least in terms of her political affiliation, that is highly suspect. You don't don't know. Your your values don't don't
3: disintegrate that quickly. I don't know if I'd say she changed overnight, to be honest with you, Bob. I mean, this is what I'm struggling with. Last night, I, I made a call-in topic about, like, what is Tulsi Gabbard? Because I rattled off every good thing she'd ever done, all the great causes she fought for, all the fantastic ways she called out Donald Trump and called him Saudi Arabia's bitch. Like, I went through everything, every good thing she'd done, and then all the bizarre shit. And And yeah. the nearest I can come to is that she's just... She's all about herself, you know, she's all about herself. And I say that because now she's going to be she's not a Republican. And I'm sure she's going to run for president third party. But she's now campaigning in New Hampshire with Don Bolduc. Is that his name? Don Bolduc. So like, to me, that's going full MAGA. That's saying climate science is a myth. And we have to ban abortion when she's actually campaigning with MAGA's. I'm kind of relieved to hear that. I think that's going to make it a lot easier because we all have a lot of liberal friends who are hanging on to admiring Tulsi. God knows I defended her for a long time because she's right about so many things. She went from being an incredible homophobe to eventually getting a 100 percent rating on Human Rights Watch to Human Rights Watch disowning her this year for her support of Ron DeSantis' anti-trans laws staggering you know one
1: of the funniest things about her video from yesterday john is when she was accusing democrats of being warmongers you know because we're offering aid to ukraine as a much larger nation invades its sovereignty and murders human beings civilians in their homes and in their hospitals and so on and we're warmongers for that tulsi gabbard was in the military for god's sake i, I mean these are things that just get flushed right on right on down the memory hole especially when it comes to the you know nat like attention spans of fox news viewers so they're not gonna you know notice that things like that they're not gonna yeah. notice hypocrisies and contradictions like that well, also so- her,
3: her speech her i watched the video she never criticized putin she can't criticize putin there's a certain kind of american who will only blame joe biden for vladimir Mm. putin's invasion of a smaller neighbor that never attacked him and there's dozens and dozens of mass graves and children have been slaughtered and there's a certain type of american that just wants to blame joe biden and will not ever point the finger at putin and to me that's just i mean (laughs) how many moral alarms can go off
1: Putin has paid for uh, a ton of support among certain Americans. I mean, that is part of the overall uh, Putin operation that began what I believe began in 2013 and has continued on through today. I think Vladimir Putin has been softening the ground for this move against Ukraine for years, spending an enormous amount of money, uh, expending an enormous amount of resources on you know, spreading disinformation in social media and elsewhere. And so it was all leading up to this imperialist adventurism in, in Ukraine and so on that was meant to be expanded to Eastern Europe. I'm positive of that. That's right. uh, I mean, beyond Ukraine. And so this is something that's no surprise whatsoever. It would be no surprise if we eventually learned that people like Tulsi Gabbard they were getting their money somehow several hops away from Vladimir Putin's bank account.
3: Right. Wouldn't shock me in, in the slightest. Um, what, and I, I mean, hope the, one day we can. I, I wish one day we could find it out. Bob, we only have a minute oh, left. Yeah. Any thoughts to Donald Trump's speech the other night? And would you call it a confession?
1: Yes, absolutely. A confession. Oh, my God. Yeah. He he said it outright. The question now is whether or not the grand jury is going to see that as a confession, as we do, as many, many legal experts do. And so that's the big question mark here. And I hope that once we get through with the midterms, the day after, then we're going to start talking about indictments. And that's where the clock has got to start ticking. And you're, you think he really did confess it on stage? I, I think he did. I, I don't think he meant to confess it other than to, you know, kind of dare them to come after him. Right. But. Sometimes he just does this stuff to see what will happen. It's like, you know, a little boy oh, yeah. who throws rocks in the pond just to see the
3: splash. You know what I mean? That's, mm-hmm. that's Donald Trump. He's always testing the ground like that, seeing what he
1: can yeah. get
4: away
3: with. Or throwing rocks at a hornet's nest. <laughs> Mr. Seska, it is always a joy to see you, sir. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? Uh, thank you, John. It's
1: uh, Bob Seska dot com. It's my Patreon page for my podcast. So uh, also,
3: uh, of course, you can find it everywhere. you Get your podcast, all the other platforms. Bob, thank you so much. It's great to see you. Thanks, John. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And welcome back. I'm so excited to welcome this next guest to my show. She's a terrific comedian and someone I just like a whole lot as a person and someone who inspires me and lights a fire under me when I need a fire lit. And, 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 you know, we can talk all day about how you can love the people of Russia and not love what their political leaders do. You can love the people of Iran and not love what their political leaders do. We could go on like this all day. You can love the people of Israel. You can be a Jewish American and love the people of Israel and not like the bullshit their civilian leaders do. Or can you? Are there any civilian governments that you just can't get away with criticizing, Well, Katie's a terrific comedian, a writer, a podcast host. Um, she hosts the Katie Halper Show live stream, and uh, you might have heard her on WBAI uh, radio as well. And she does a great YouTube show called Useful Idiots, which she co-founded with Matt Taibbi. You can always support the Katie Halper Show and get access to her stuff at Patreon. And until recently, she was working for The Hill TV. I will let her finish this story for me. Katie, welcome to XM. It's so good to see you.
2: Yeah, you too. Thanks so much for having me.
3: Thank um, you so much.
2: Yeah, so I was at the Hill for three years. Basically, I was a weekly host. I mean, excuse me, I was a weekly guest. I was a guest for three yes. years. I would appear every week as a guest on the show uh, Rising.
3: Was, on the show Rising, right? On
2: Rising, yes. So the yeah. show is called Rising, and it was started um, by Crystal Ball and Buck Sexton, and then it kind of took off when. Um, Sagar and Jetty joined and it, its mission kind of is to have someone on the left and someone on the right. So it was crystal ball and Sagar and Jetty. And the idea was that they could say things that you wouldn't be able to say on other corporate media shows. And it was outside the political mainstream, or at least you were allowed to go outside the political mainstream and you were allowed right. to say things that others couldn't say. Um, and it that's was where very... we find all the
3: unexpected, co- uh, unexpected common ground between the right. and the Yeah, left, exactly. When you right. Get so away that was from one of the
2: Right. Like, so you don't have to speak as a representative of the Democratic Party and the other person does not speak as a representative of the Republican Party. That was the idea. Exactly. And so they invited me on to do a weekly segment, which I started with them. Then they left. They started their own show called uh, Breaking Points. And uh, there were a couple of weeks during like which I wasn't on the show because they were doing this changeover. But then I, I resumed my weekly appearance schedule.
6: Mm -hmm. So I did
2: that for three years and then I did some guest co-hosting. So I was the person on the left and I would co-host with someone on the right. And I did that a bunch of times, and that was great. And I had a bunch more gigs lined up to do that, and I was really excited. And, and if, and if also, I could just
3: interject as well, you're, you're someone who is really good at getting along with people on the right, people on the left, liberals, yeah. moderates, conservatives, right-wing fascists. Like I, I've always thought that was one of your key things is you can get along with them. Even if you disagree passionately, you were never hostile to anybody in the workplace, yeah. right?
2: Right. No, there were never any complaints at all with that. And in fact, I had pitched them a show. It was basically like an all left version of The View. I pitched them that idea. We even shot a pilot for it. They released a segment. It did really well. Um, And it was uh, it was with me, Brianna Joy Gray, Abby Martin and Ronnie Kallick. So I'm hoping to still do that despite what happened, which um, I'll get to. Um, So. When you're a host, you get to do these things called um, radars, which are basically monologues. They're straight to the camera. You look yep. straight to the camera and you deliver your, your monologue. And so I had hosted before, but I hadn't done a radar before because I wanted to make sure I'd really mastered hosting before I added that on. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. So this was going to be my first radar, my first scripted monologue. I w- spent like all weekend working on it and I w- decided that I would make it about the statements that were made by Rashida Tlaib, the um, representative from Michigan, the Democrat, she had said at at an event, a virtual event, she said that people are realizing more and more that you can't be progressive while supporting Israel's apartheid government. And you can't be progressive except for on Palestine. And there was a big backlash. A lot of people were on Twitter tweeting about her. Jonathan Greenblatt from the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL Mm -hmm. lied, outright lied about what she had said. He said that she was imposing a litmus test on american jews she didn't mention american jews like that was just a total fabrication debbie right. wasserman schultz um tweeted against her richie torres um uh jerry nadler and then jake tapper did a segment on it where he did that kind of people are saying some of her jewish colleagues are saying it was anti-semitic <laughs> you know a little trumpian mm-hmm. uh, sleight of hand right. so i decided to do a video where i defended uh, Tlaib. And I also laid out why I think that the case is, is to be made, that Israel does indeed have an apartheid government. And I was very careful to make sure that everything I said was backed up. So I quoted, uh, because apartheid is actually a crime. There's, it's it a is. crime according to international law. So I quoted the United Nations. I quoted the International Criminal Court. I cited human rights organizations like Amnesty International And Human Rights Watch, I cited uh, uh, Palestinian human rights organizations. I cited and quoted the Israeli human rights organization, B'Tselem. I also quoted um, former prime ministers. I mean, you even have Israeli prime ministers who said that Israel was an apartheid government or was going to become an apartheid government. Yes. And you have other ministers, Israeli ministers, who said it is apartheid already. And then I quoted Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela said it. Now, Mandela. Yeah. yeah. He said that like that we've he said basically that we've improved when it comes to apartheid, but we know that we don't have full freedom until Palestinians are free also. So he, he exactly. was suggesting that it was apartheid. And Bishop um, Tutu
3: as well. Right. I mean, Tucci like these, these, that, yes. these guys yes. know apartheid when they see it. Katie.
2: Exactly right. And apartheid's like obviously was the system under which South Africa lived or is po- imposed on on South Africa, on black South Africans is the way the white minority ruled over the black uh, majority. And then I also quoted um, a, a minister, Minister Pandor, who is a present-day living um, minister of South Africa, who addressed the United Nations General Assembly the other day and, and reminded the world of the kind of double standards and the fact that this is uh, there's the, there's more and more of a consensus that there, that this is apartheid. And she, ironically enough, mm-hmm. quoted of all people. Daniel Levy, who is an Israeli negotiator at the Oslo Accords. So That's you can right. say it, you know, with full confidence. I think that people I th- I honestly think the only honest way that you can uh, dispute the the charge is by saying it has to be apartheid or saying, well, it's apartheid, but it'd be better than the other another system, which I don't agree with. But that actually right. at least has some intellectual coherence to it but the claim that it's not apartheid i don't really think you can make that argument i certainly think you should be allowed to make that argument i don't think it it holds water and um and and if i may if i
3: if i may just jump in katie three three things really quick rashida talib not anti-jewish has never said anything against jewish people in her life jimmy Carter. Former president, right, Nobel Peace one. Prize it, winner, yeah. published a book called Palestine, Peace, Not Peace, Apartheid, not apartheid yeah. 16 years ago. And he can still get invited into any media outlet he would ever want no. to appear in. And you had on the show previously, if I'm not mistaken, you had already criticized the civilian government of Israel in the past, hadn't you?
2: Yeah, I actually said that Israel lied about killing uh Shireen Abu Akhle, which they had, of course. So I said that I had done lots of segments on the Israeli government. So... Some people think that when I went out there and wrote this monologue, some people think I was like, it was some kind of media stunt or I was trying to make a right. statement. I really wasn't. I mean, I knew that people out in the world, because whenever you're critical of Israel, there's a very powerful, and it's hard to say this without sounding like kind an of anti-Semite, or I guess in my case, a self-loathing Jew, because I am Jewish, <laughs> but there's There's a lobby out there. There are lots of, lots of countries or lots of political parties have lobbies, and there's nothing anti-Semitic yeah. in saying that. In fact, the anti-Semitism comes from when the, Israel lobby pretends it represents all Jews. That's the anti-Semitic thing. Yeah, and again, again, monolith.
3: And I don't think you criticized Israel. I think you criticized the civilian government of Israel. And I I framed the whole thing when I was telling my friends about what happened as, oh, this is a a Jewish woman is defending a Muslim woman representative against charges of anti-Semitism and explaining why. That's the most American story I can think of. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: I mean, and I was very I mean, I do think that the, the Israeli government is an apartheid government. And I think that people get very nervous when people talk about that because they kind of immediately go to well what should happen should israel exist that's a di- that's another question that's not related to this we have to look at the facts on the ground and then we can have a discussion on a one-state solution or two state solution but right. i think people that's ultimately where where they go and they can't acknowledge that israel would ever do anything problematic and of course it's this enabling attitude that's let israel do the things that it's done Um, So I do, I record the monologue, I write the monologue, I record the monologue, and then I leave, I host a bunch of segments for the day, I leave, and I get a call from the producer saying that higher-ups have seen the the radar, the monologue, and they don't feel comfortable running it, and I was like, why not? And she says, because um, we have a new policy that I didn't know about, The Hill has a new policy, which is that uh, we don't run op-eds on Israel, so you can't do video or written op-eds on Israel. And I was like, what? That makes no sense. Um, and she said, but you can do segments on Israel. So a segment is not to get too into the weeds, but a segment is like when I come on as a guest, which is something I would do every week, that's a right. segment. And an right. op-ed is the straight to camera radar thing. So, okay, we're going back and forth. I'm trying to con- like encourage them to talk to the higher ups, to get them to release the video. And it, you know, I'm happy. I say we can do a discussion afterwards. You can have someone on right afterwards from the, um, you know, have an opposing view. I'll be there. You don't have to have me there. Whatever, however you want to do it.
4: A free speech
2: and,
3: exchange of ideas on the. Yeah, air. exactly. Sounds great. Right. Yeah, like Which adults is what do. what the Hill
2: prides itself on being. Exactly. Um, and then I um, Wednesday, I get a call from the editor in chief from the from the Hill. He calls me. He tells me they're not going to run the radar. I ask why. Uh, He says, because they don't accept all pitches, they get lots of pitches, which was just not convincing at all, because the way it works there is you write your radar and you email it to them and then they put it in the teleprompter. There's no review process. There's no editorial review.
3: Exactly.
2: Yeah, that's just not how they do it. I mean, I'm sure there are other places that do have a review process, but they don't. They literally just load into the teleprompter. So I didn't really believe that. And then he said it wasn't in their sweet spot of coverage because it, they focus on domestic. Again, I'm someone who had hosted hundreds. I mean, sorry, I was a guest hundreds of times. And I talked about international stories all the time. And as a host, I would talk about international stories. Either I would come up with them or the or the producers would give me stories to, right. to talk about that were not international. So I didn't believe that. And then when I reached out to the producers, I said, OK, so I got the call and they're not going to release the, the video. Can I talk about it? tomorrow during my segment. And then she, they said, check your email. And I checked my email and that's when I got the email that's from a next, uh, hill next, our executive saying, hi, Katie, we won't be needing you to come in tomorrow to do your, your segment. Please <sighs> send us any unpaid invoices. Best of luck. And I was pretty shocked. Like I did not expect that at all. Um, I
3: mean, they literally so. threw in, you can, you can submit your unpaid invoices yeah. and all the best in the same email.
2: Yeah, so so gracious, so generous. I, 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 so kind, I just, I, it, it's professional.
3: Just, it's so depressing and so enraging because I, I've seen you before on the Hill TV. You, you've talked about Palestine as a yeah. jewish woman before you've criticized the government of israel as an american jewish woman before like this was With not family like you were in doing israel, something by
2: the way of cousins exactly in but
3: yeah. e- exactly and and did they ever did anyone ever tell you that there was a new policy at the hill no. tv against any critique of israel was there ever anything no. posted by the osha sign in the commissary about this no
2: it wasn't yeah i didn't say wash your hands and uh, also don't <laughs> talk don't about Chris, israel no and my producer up. seemed to legitimately not know about it now that Bronco Marchatich, who's a great journalist who writes at Jacobin, wrote a piece about what happened. You can find at Jacobin, and it's called uh, left-wing journalist Katie Halper has been fired for calling Israel an apartheid state. But he kind of looks into what potentially could explain this this editorial shift. So one of the things is that in August, Nextar, which is this um, media conglomerate, Nextar right. Media Group bought the hill for one hundred and thirty million dollars. Um, then in September, Sagot Value Holdings Limited, uh, an investment firm based in Tel Aviv, bought sixty one hundred shares in Nextar to the tune of more than one million dollars. I'm just reading at the Jackman article. Right. Also, right. uh, Nextar filled the position of deputy managing editor of News Nation. It's cable channel with Jake Novak, a journalist who spent the preceding year and a half as the media director of the Israeli consulate general in New York. Um, He also has written approvingly of Donald Trump's dropping of U.S. support for the two-state solution and has advocated for Israel to build more settlements, saying, quote, it would bring more peace, prosperity and freedom to both Israelis and Arabs, end quote, which is I don't know how you could make that argument. But this guy also, interestingly enough, is... um, was embroiled in the matt getz underage sex controversy mm. he appeared to admit to dilbert cartoonist scott adams that he was involved in the extortion attempt on gets rich father in order to funnel millions of dollars to a commando team leader to free a u.s hostage in iran <sighs> so interesting stuff
3: i mean I, I don't even know where to begin i i, I want to say i'm shocked but i, I i'm not I has, any,
2: has right. anyone
3: Listen, you've had a lot of people come to your, to your defense, and I've seen yeah. a lot of the celebrated names who've come to stand up for you. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very delighted to have you here as well because I love you and I love what you do and I love how fearless you are. And I've had a mad crush on your brain for over a decade. Uh, did anyone from the Hill ever reach out privately to, to express any kind of empathy towards you?
2: well i i mean i wouldn't be able to tell you if they did because they'd probably get in trouble because apparently doing the right thing gets you fired right uh but and and to be fair and i keep saying this when i'm doing interviews i hope i don't get them in trouble but i the the producers were trying to do the right thing get the the thing out but you know brianna joy gray who's still there did a pretty impressive thing where she said um on the hill she condemned their decision she basically rejected the reason that they gave. She said that she didn't think they told her it was a stylistic um, decision that they didn't, for which they didn't run the radar. The monologue. Yeah. Um, she said that you know she watched it as she is someone who was the- an edit politics editor at The Intercept. She's used to making calls like that. There was nothing in it that was remotely objectionable. Um, So she defended me which was really nice and then the other nice thing that happened is that when i realized that maybe they weren't going to release the video um i reached out to uh breakthrough news which is an independent media organization and told them i had this script and so they i showed them the script they were interested in it and when the hill i didn't think this would happen but they fired me on wednesday i shot the video that I had written the script for. I shot the video that they recorded but then refused to air. I shot that, did it straight to camera, and I did that with Breakthrough News. So you can find the video at youtube.com slash the Katie Halper Show and also at youtube.com slash Breakthrough News.
3: I'm glad you actually made it um, and and that it's out there for people to see what was so controversial. I, I, I don't see any point in it where you challenge Israel's right to exist. You know, I, yeah. I, I I don't really understand this notion of if we criticize the civilian government of this nation that we are hating Jews or challenging Israel's right to exist. I, I have to wonder if any of our friends on the right who like to brag about how they're the folks who really stand for free speech and are Jewish uh, reached out to help. Did you hear from Ben Shapiro at all?
2: No, nothing from Ben Shapiro. Haven't heard from Barry Weiss, Jordan Peterson. Nope. Haven't heard from any of None them. None of them.
3: None of these yeah. free speech champions, none of these cancel nope. culture agents are coming here to, to stand no, up for you.
2: to save me or to advocate for me or defend me, no. Or my right to, <sighs> to free speech or, you know, I, they may not agree with me, but they'll defend my right to say it. No, that hasn't happened at all. None
3: of that, not once. So, yeah.
2: And again, like, I want to emphasize, you know, Betselem, like, Palestinians have been calling this an apartheid government for decades. And Betselem is, I think, people... Try, I guess you can try to con- dismiss them, these Israeli Jews, this human rights organization, what they're a bunch of self-loathing Jews. I mean, yeah. how do you explain that away? Criticizing Israel is not anti-Semitic and it's actually anti-Semitic to conflate being Jewish with having a positive view of the government of Israel. I mean, that's the thing that the ADL and AIPAC do all the time. And that really is an anti-Semitic trope that they're trafficking in. I mean, the yeah. du- dual loyalty trope, you know, anti-Semites love calling Jews Zionists. I love conflating those two things. They're not. One's a political and or religious ideology, uh, as in Zionism, and one is an identity. Whether whether I'm not religious, but I very much identify culturally as yes. a Jew. Um, and the I'm idea not Jewish, that, but I
3: identify culturally as a Jew as well. Uh, well, just you, you of my, do
2: live in New York, so. Yeah, the
3: no. that. Yeah.
2: yeah. You know,
3: it, it, it just boggles my mind because... <sighs> What you did was everything that, as you said, the Hill claims to stand up for. And, and I want to also applaud you for coming out and saying, I'm going to quote you in your piece you wrote for the Daily Beast about this. What happened to me doesn't compare to what has happened to Palestinian journalists. But knowing what they face makes me all the more determined to speak out. What are you going to do next, Katie? Where do you take this from here? Aside from just telling the story over and over again to the right. shame of the people at the Hill.
2: Well, I want to make more of these kind of straight to camera monologues. I want to do more on Israel, but not just on Israel. I want to do one on the war right now um, in Ukraine. I want to do one on immigration. And I'm going to keep talking about this issue. In fact, this week, and you can find all this at YouTube.com slash the Katie Halper Show. But next week, I'm having on the, these great guests, Noura Erekat, who is this brilliant human rights lawyer, a Palestinian-American woman, um, and Miko Pellet, who is an Israeli Jew who is the son of a general. He actually wrote a book called The General's Son. And his father was this like decorated war hero from, um, in Israel, his mother's father, so both sides of his family are kind of Israeli royalty almost. His mother's father w- was one of the signatories of Israeli independence. And he himself, his niece was tragically killed in a suicide bombing. And he has become a major human rights advocate for peace. He wrote a book called uh, the General Sun, which is about mm-hmm. his evolution on the question of Israel and Zionism. It's fascinating. So I'm having both of them on my show. And my show's every Tuesday night at YouTube at 7 p.m. EST. And then I release clips. So I really would love for people to subscribe to my YouTube channel because then you'll never miss the streams or the clips that we release.
3: Katie Halper, it is always a pleasure to have you. I'm so sorry this happened to you. I think they fucked with the wrong person, and you're welcome here anytime. We'd always love to offer you this platform. Uh, And I I thank you as a Gentile who loves Jewish people, uh, to you as a Jewish woman who loves Israel. It seems like nationalists get to do this right like when they're in power if you criticize their government it's treason if you criticize donald trump when he's president it's treason um but if you criticize the politicians they don't like it's free speech thank you for always being a free speech i
2: love i would say i love all all people in the world and more more than countries and nations and leaders i'm a, a humanist internationalist
3: <laughs> and nice. everyone should follow. How do we, what's the best way to follow you on the socials, Katie?
2: KT Helps, It's it's letter K, letter T, H A L P S. So on Instagram and Twitter, that's letter K, letter T, H A L P S. And then youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show and then patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show where I release Brilliant. bonus content.
3: I was so furious to hear about this story. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back Thanks, anytime. John. This platform Thank is always up to so you. Have a great Love night. It. We will you be too. right back with uh, your calls at 866 997 4748. Michael in the Bronx, welcome.
4: Hey John, hey. It's been a Hello. While. How are you? I'm You're hanging great. in there. Guys. I had a call because of a you of a few things. My recommendation is Democrats. The messaging is fact-checking each and everything Republicans spew out in their television ads and so forth, and then fire back with the fiercest rebuttals ever. They mm-hmm. want to say that we're the ones that are harboring criminals and. Um, vouching for crimes we're not the ones that stormed in the US Capitol January 6th armed um, and dangerous and having ar fifteen just to say the least we're You're not right. the ones. we're not the ones that are beating up pregnant women and then you want to try to violate their rights and prior to their you know privacy you know right. I can go on and on with that part but then how serious this stuff is getting you heard about the female Democratic um, comic in New Jersey. I think her name is Ariel Elias. That mm-hmm. She was heckled by a pro-Trumper, a female, and then was nearly assaulted with a beer can by the male. I think it was yeah. the woman's husband. They were both ejected from the- They place. were heckling her the
3: whole time. The whole, I mean, the clip is amazing, watching them heckle her.
4: Yeah, and then add to that- I don't know if you heard, I heard this, I think it was on Michelangelo's show earlier. Tell me. That that there was an interracial couple, and the wife, who was white, unfortunately died, I think, of medical complications. The husband, who was black, as if it's not bad enough, he's grieving over his wife's loss. A racist police, racist prosecutor, falsely charged him with murder, which, in fact, she wasn't murdered. They wound up going to a maybe a racist judge. I don't know. But they said the jury was an all-white jury, half of whom were all deemed racists. They falsely convicted the guy and sentenced him to death. He went to appeal after appeal and went up to the Supreme Court, which is currently 6-3 conservative. Still, what you- I've heard. Yeah, you what heard what happened. They said they didn't want to hear the case. So so much for pro-life, so much for preserving life, and so much for the Constitution law and order and equal justice under the law. That's bullshit. And then you wonder why, you wonder why John Roberts people have total distrust and unfaithfulness. You know, they're having faith in the judicial system, in the Supreme Court. I give kudos to justices Kagan, Sotomayor and um, Jackson. For really putting their foot down as students the injustice that these things are going on, and their and they said that people have a right to feel untrustworthy of the court, but they right time letting them know they are not the enemy.
3: <laughs> I got to run, Michael. That last sentence made me afraid you were pregnant because you missed five periods. But uh, yes, uh, to everything you said, and it's great to hear your voice. Thank you for joining us. But they're about to turn the lights off in here. One last shout out to Hawaii governor, who just signed an executive order to stop other states from punishing their residents who fly to the islands to get an abortion, and to stop other states from sanctioning local health practitioners who provide such care. Guys, thank you for a great night. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Joe Sudbay will be here and the Crooked Media guys take over on Friday. I'll be back Monday and hopefully the Twitter gods will have restored me by then. Thank you, Chris and Thea. Thank you, Katie Halper. Keep it tuned to progress, especially for Nancy Pelosi on Zerlina in the morning.
4: Peace.